Do you struggle with worry on a regular basis? Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chapel presents a biblical and practical strategy for overcoming anxiety. We are all sinners. All of us are sinners. And we all need forgiveness. And that forgiveness comes not from a church, not from a pastor or a priest. It comes from Jesus Christ. And we believe that Jesus Christ is the substitution for us because we should have paid for our own sin. But Jesus did that in our stead. We all face obstacles, difficulties, trials, and heartaches. Without resilience, life can leave us feeling frustrated, discouraged, and disconnected. Thankfully, God created us with the capacity to overcome incredible tragedy or pain. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, Overcomers, Dr. Paul Chappell shares biblical stories of men and women who overcame their circumstances. Through today's study, you'll discover the fullness of God's resources to enable you to live as an overcomer. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chappell with part two of a message called Overcoming Discrimination. God, the great need of this nation today is revival. Men and women turning back to God today and finding mercy at the cross. Notice the mercy of God shown to Jochebed. Would you look at chapter 2 and verse 5? And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him. Notice that phrase. She had compassion on him. Would you say that, please? She Wait a minute. The daughter of the most powerful man in the world has just seen Moses, and she had compassion on him. And this is not a coincidence. This is providence. This is God's plan. God saw little Jochebed. God saw her heart. God heard her prayers. And God is going to lead this powerful and wealthy woman to Moses because that's the God that we serve. He hears and answers prayer. The Bible says in verse 7, Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? How many of you would like to have a sister like that? What a wonderful sister. And notice what she says in verse 8. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Here we see that Jochebed, because of the mercy of God, is being allowed to care for her own son. Spurgeon said, God is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. God is always working on our behalf. And so she's allowed to provide for her son. But this is, this is amazing, just to show you how good God is. She is paid to provide for her son. Did you see that in verse 9, Exodus 2, 9? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. She was paid to feed her own child. That's how good our God is. Can I get an amen on that this morning? What a good God we have. Now, Jochebed probably had Moses for maybe five to six years, his, his early developmental years, which every child psychologist will tell you are the most important years in the child's upbringing. 
A lot can be given to a child by age six. I saw an article this week about a public school that was celebrating the fact that their students were able to read by the fourth grade. Some of you will see the kindergarten graduation at Lancaster Baptist School every spring, and you'll watch five-year-olds stand up and read chapters of the Bible to the entire congregation. Children can learn much in those early years. And Jochebed would have the privilege of forming him and training him during that time. And so mercy was shown to Jochebed. She could have tried to fight her way out of the situation, but she trusted God with her child. And God showed mercy to Jochebed. And God showed mercy to Moses as well. The Bible tells us in verse 6, And when she had opened it, she saw the child and the babe wept, and she had compassion on him. Pharaoh's daughter had compassion, and she brought Moses into her home, and she blessed Moses. And, and Moses was educated in the finer ways of the Egyptian life, Acts seven twenty one. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Now listen very carefully. Sometimes when we feel discriminated against, whether at a workplace discrimination, whether a racial thing or because of our faith, when you feel this, sometimes it's important that we stop and that we pause God and pause and thank God for his blessings on our life. And I want you to get the picture. Moses was placed into that ark. Moses was retrieved by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses is now receiving a fine education in Egypt. And what I want you to know is that when things are going bad, when we get the big picture, normally there's still something to be thankful for. And the way to overcome the hurt of discrimination is to in everything give thanks and to stop and look at the good things that God has done for you. Psalm 106 and verse 1, praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let me illustrate it this way. I believe that it is by God's mercy that he brought all of us to the United States of America. I am thankful today to be an American. You say, this country has got so many problems, believe me. I've spent years preaching and trying to address those problems biblically. I know we have problems. But I am thankful to be an American. And we should all be thankful for that. I believe it's by God's mercy that he brought us here. For, for example, I think of those Baptists who came from Holland to America. They were being persecuted and murdered by the Roman Catholic Church. They came to have freedom to worship. I think of the French Huguenots who in the 1500s on the massacre of Bartholomew, tens of thousands of them were killed in one day because they stood against Rome. I think of those who were brought here by the sin of slavery how tragic the entire situation was and how mistreated people were even when they got here. But somehow, by God's grace, here we are, generations after the Puritans and the Anabaptists and generations after slavery. Hey, we're sitting in a church, most of us, we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. I'm telling you, no matter how much trouble you've seen, no matter how much trouble your family has seen, we are blessed to be Americans and to be Christians seated in this auditorium. And God's people ought to find something to be thankful for. 
We ought to take time because the Bible says, in everything give thanks. And those that do not know the Lord whose hearts are filled with bitterness and ingratitude, their only answer is more rage and more rage and more divisiveness and more baiting of one another into an argument. But if you know God, you know this, that no matter what's going on in your life and no matter how bad the situation is, you still have something to say. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. I'm just saying that no matter what you're going through today, don't forget to give thanks to the Lord. But can I say this? More than being an American, the greatest thing about coming to America, the greatest thing about being here today is that we can know Jesus Christ as our Savior. I'm thankful to be an American, but much more than that, I'm thankful to be a Christian this morning. The Bible says in your notes there, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We are saved by the grace of God. We're saved because of the mercy of God. And so no matter how somebody mistreats you tomorrow, you have a God who loves you and gave his son to die for your sin. And so we see the ministry of a mom, her ministry was to trust God. We see the mercy of God God saw Jochebed's faith, and God blessed Jochebed, and God blessed Moses. And in the midst of all of the discrimination, they were able to be thankful for the blessing of God upon their life. And then I want you to see finally this morning the making of Moses. We'll just do a quick survey of Moses' life. We're going to see how God, in preserving this man, would one day allow him to be the deliverer of an entire nation. The making of Moses. We see him made, first of all, in his identity. We have our identity in Christ. We are, according to Ephesians 1, 6, accepted in the beloved. We don't perform in order to have his blessing. We are blessed by him, by his grace and his presence in our life. But Moses identifies as a child of God. He was in Egypt some 35 years, but he never forgot those early years of instruction. Notice, if you wouldn't, you notice Hebrews 11:24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Now notice in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Moses grew up to be a man who purposefully identified with God and his people. He identified as a Hebrew. He was in the Egyptian world, but he identified as a child of God. And ladies and gentlemen, we live in a fallen, sinful world, but we should be identifying as children of God. We should recognize we're a called out assembly. We are saved people, and we are to live a distinct and a different life. And Moses, though he lived in Egypt, he chose, even if it meant suffering, affliction to say, I'm a Hebrew. Those are my people. I'm a child of God. He identified with the people of God. This was deeper than a cultural identity. It was a spiritual identity as well. And I want you to recognize this today. The challenge on these single adults and these teenagers in this room, in a culture that is increasingly anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, it will be challenging them for them to say, 
Look at, I'm willing to suffer affliction. If I'm going to lose my job because I pray at lunch, if someone's going to make fun of me because uh, I, I believe in Jesus only for salvation, if it means I will suffer to be a Christian, then I'm willing to suffer. They will have to make such a choice that Moses also made. I watch some of you godly parents in this church, and I'm so thankful for you. I see you dads, many of you dads, you look like men, you act like men. You come to the house of God, you carry your Bible into church. Thank God for you. You, 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 you look sharp, and you're, you're, you're working your job and paying the bills. I want to ask you this morning, fellas, dads, where are your teenagers? It's good sometimes to have them sit with you. Don't let them sit in the back and text while you're trying to be fed. They need to be fed because they're going to have to make their choice. They're going to have to choose to identify with the God that you have chosen to identify with. And a lot of times I see men that are sharp and they're working hard and they're living for God and you see their boys, they got their hair down over their eyes or they got their britches hanging down. They're kind of walking around like this. They don't want to look anything like that, dad. Teenagers, I want to challenge you. There's a real God in heaven who loves you, and he wants to know you, and you need to know him, and you need to take your stand. Dads, work at this with your child. Sometimes when our teenagers were in school, I would just go to school, and I'd see my boys out there at lunchtime, and I'd go up and give them a big hug, and give them a big kiss right on the cheek. Say, did that embarrass them? Yes. But I wasn't ashamed of them, and I don't want them to be ashamed of me. I, I wanted to spend time, sometimes take the kids to lunch and just take them to McDonald's, just spend some time with them and talk to them about the Lord. A couple of my grandsons came over yesterday, and I played a little ping pong with them and talked with them about some things. And then I said, hey, guys, let's, let's pray together. God is so good to us. I, I want them to, to have a relationship with God. I see some of you mothers, moms, where's your daughter at? Where's your son at today? Make sure you know where they are during church. Have them there with you. Bring them in tonight. Have them sit by you. Sometimes we'll see a mom so polite and feminine and godly and coming to church and carrying her Bible. You'll see a daughter. She's got her hair down over her face and just walking like this. Like she doesn't care. Doesn't bring her Bible. Just talking to her friends. Listen, I'm telling you, Moses made a choice. He chose to identify with God and the people of God. And we need teenagers and single adults in this room, not merely to identify with the 49ers or the Rams or whoever else, but to identify as a child of God. Moses was a man in his identity who was being made, but also in his failure. And I must hurry, but I want you to see that all of these leaders were studying in this series called Overcomers. They, many of them and most all of them are going to have a moment of failure. And I say that because all of us have moments of failure. Notice Moses' moment of failure, Exodus 2. He moved in the flesh, verse 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way, and he looked that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, here we see Moses acting in the flesh. The Bible says in Exodus 7, 24, that he was trying to avenge the oppressed. Uh, he had kind of a good motive, but he went about it the wrong way. He's about 40 years old now. He probably thought, you know what? I I'm going to help my people get out of this. I'm going to take this into my own hands. It's my time. 
Let me tell you something, men. About the time we think that it's our time and we're ready and we know what to do, and that's how most men start feeling as they get a little bit older, 35, 40. They think they could quarterback the 49ers every Monday. They know how to do better than the 49er quarterback. They know how to run a big corporation better. I've had folks know how to pastor this church better. I don't even know how to pastor this church. I'm just telling you about the moment you think you know better how to get some stuff done. It's a good indication you're not ready yet for God to use you. Moses made a big mistake. He took a man's life. And instead of entering right into leadership, God had to send him to Bible school for 40 years. Some of you Bible college students think about that. 40 years of dorm life. That leads us to his solitude. Notice what happens. Exodus 3.1. Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Notice on this map where, where he has to go. This, this man, Moses, on the map here, has to leave Egypt, and he's fleeing now his crime. He goes all the way back to Midian, and he spends 40 years working with the sheep. And God says, Moses, one day you're going to lead my people out of Egypt, but in order to prepare you for that, you need to recognize what it's like to work with sheep. They jump sometimes. They run sometimes. They don't listen always. I'm going to let you experience that for 40 years to get you ready for the ministry. And for 40 years, he was in solitude. And it was during that time that Moses learned how to really be humble before God. He had to get to that place of realizing he wasn't all that. And the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek above all them which are on the face of the earth. Moses was learning how to be humble Moses was experiencing the trying of his faith. He was letting patience have its perfect work. And this time of solitude brought him, letter D, to a time of surrender. Finally, he comes to the place where God can really use him. Finally, he's going to realize it's not about him fighting the fight in the flesh. And you know how God came to him in the burning bush. If you've never studied that story, maybe some of you remember it from Sunday school. Notice in Exodus 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, draw not hither, uh, draw not thy nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Now God has Moses' attention. You see, so many people that are discriminated against, they make the mistake of Moses to take things into their own hands. Oh yeah, I'll write an e- a strong email. Oh yeah, I'll rant on Facebook. Oh yeah, I'll get an attorney. They don't have an attorney, but they, they're going to get one. But here we see what God is looking for is not what you can offer to him in the way of your energy and anger. God is looking for you to surrender to him. That's what the whole Christian life's about. Getting to the place of full surrender. Exodus 4 and 18. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return, my brethren, which are in Egypt. You know the story. Moses tried to argue with God. He said, God, look, at, look at, they're not going to listen to me. God, I'm not a really good speaker. I, 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 I sometimes stutter. I don't know how I, I could do this. They're not going to listen to me back there in Egypt. 
Finally, he goes to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law says, go in peace. And the Bible says Moses took his wife, and they returned to the land of Egypt. He returns as a different man, a submissive man, a surrendered man. And you know the story. The Bible tells us that he finally was able in triumph to bring the people out of Egypt. And they triumphed over Egypt. He went to Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and God began to bring the plagues. And you've read about them, no doubt. And the lice and the locusts and the blood and the, and the boils and the frogs. And finally, the people of God are delivered. And the Bible says very clearly in Hebrews eleven twenty nine, 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned in certain liberal seminaries across this land, liberal meaning Bible-denying, perhaps uh, apostate, unsaved teachers, they teach that, well, this was just during the low tide. My friend, the Bible says there was a wall of water on either side. It's not low tide. It's the miracle of God parting the Red Sea, and they walked through it at Exodus 14, 29. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand, and on the left, Hebrews eleven twenty nine. the Egyptians were drowned. I don't know how you drowned in high tide. I'm telling you, it was the miracle of God to part the water and to bring the water back in. And the Egyptians were drowned and God brought a great victory. But listen, God was going to do it his way. Moses had to learn he could not fight his way to freedom, that God would make a way. And God always does make a way. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Now, had Moses' mother not trusted God, the people would have never been delivered from slavery. And what I want you to know in whatever circumstance you're facing right now is right from the Bible, and it's in your notes, Psalm 34:19. And here it is as we close. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Let's say that together. Many are the afflictions of the Jesus didn't say, in the world you'll not have trouble. He said, in the world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Notice that, Psalm 34, 19. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. You will overcome your trial, not by fighting in the flesh, not with anger, but by trusting in God. Because we know that all things work together for good to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is wanting to work on your behalf. God allows a burden, sometimes to bring us closer to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes God allows a trial so that you, like Moses, will turn from your pride and humbly come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I need you as my savior. I have finally realized I can't solve all my problems on my own. This one's beyond me. I'm out here in the Nile River in the bulrushes, and without you, God, I don't know what to do. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to remind you, God loved you so much. God maybe has allowed a trial in your life, maybe hurt, maybe discrimination, so that you'll realize you can't solve it all, and you'll turn to God and ask Him for help and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. Maybe you're a Christian and you're going through some difficult times and you're tempted to just fight your way out. But God is reminding you that he can do a much better job parting the Red Sea than you can. And he's reminding us to just keep 
trusting Him. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chapel preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.